Welcome to the teaching ministry of Temple Baptist Church. While we hope you can join us in person, our prayer is that this message will encourage you to love God and serve Him in a deeper way. Wow, what a powerful song. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. You know, it's interesting, you listen to that song, and the things of this world will go strangely dim. You know, I think it's interesting, we come to church sometimes, I think what happens is this, is we bring all of the stuff from the week. And so the things of the world get in the way. And so God wants to speak to us this morning, and so my prayer is this, is that we would focus on Jesus, that we would turn our eyes upon him, and that the things that we worry about during the week would kind of fall to the wayside, right? We're in the midst of a series, a two-week series. We started last week. We're going to finish this week. And we're talking about big faith. And we said this, is that faith is crucial in the life of a believer. It's crucial. In fact, God wants us to have big faith. And last week what we talked about was one of the ways that we have big faith is when we take what we've learned and we actually put it into practice. You see, a lot of Christians hear the word of God, they know the word of God, they believe the word of God, but they don't put it into practice, and Jesus calls them a fool. Because if you want to be wise, what you have to do is you have to take what you've learned, and you've got to live it out. And when we do that, what we call that is obedience. And we said this, is that when our obedience intersect with, intersects with God's faithfulness, then God honors our obedience because obedience is an act of faith. Now, here's the cool part. When we're obedient, God chooses to reveal himself to us. In other words, we experience him. And when we experience him, what happens is God becomes real. And why that is so important is because we learned last week that the storms of life will come and they will beat against your faith. They will. But if you've experienced God and you know he's real, in the midst of those storms, you will run to him instead of running away from him. And so at the end of the storm, your faith is going to be intact. It's going to be tough, but we run to God, which is really, really important. So today what we're going to do is this, is we are going to wrap things up. And I'm going to share one more thing we can do to allow our faith to be really big. Are you guys ready for this? All right, let's, uh, let's pray before we do it. Let's get on the right foot. Let's go before God, ask him to come and speak because I believe he has something in store for every one of us this morning. Dear Lord, thank you so much for the privilege we have just to come into your presence and to gather as a family. Lord, we know that you love us, but we also love one another. We love doing this together as a family. And so these next few moments, we have sung praises to you because you rightfully deserve it. But in these next few moments, we're going to open your word, and we want to hear from you. Lord, help us to turn our eyes upon Jesus and allow the things of the week to kind of fade away. Because, Lord, in these next few moments, you have something really special for us. And, Lord, I pray that we would get it but not just get it, we'd be encouraged to live it out as well. In your name I pray, amen. How many, of you, how many of us here this morning have ever faced a situation where we have felt overwhelmed? How many of you, just put your hand up, we've been there, okay? You get to that point and you're like, you know what, you feel so inadequate, you feel unequipped, and instead of stepping into the situation, you want to run from the situation. Here's the thing I realized, no matter what age you are, we have all experienced moments and situations where we've been overwhelmed. And as I reflected on my life, I went all the way back to my childhood. You see, as a kid, 
I struggle with dyslexia. Anyone here struggle with dyslexia? I struggle with dyslexia. And uh, because of that, what that meant for me is this, is I struggled reading and spelling. And therefore, I dreaded, I dreaded English class. Especially when the teacher would get me to read out loud. Because I would open the book, I would look at the page, and literally all the words would jumble together. And I would just be so overwhelmed, I would kind of freeze up. You see, back then, they didn't identify kids with dyslexia. They kind of threw us in the general population and just hoped we survived. And so there were times it was really tough for me, and I remember there were times that I felt really overwhelmed. But as I was reflecting, one particular time stood out, and I was in grade five, and I was in Mrs. Geddes' class. Now looking back, Mrs. Geddes was a great teacher. I learned a lot from her, but at that time, Mrs. Geddes was terrifying because she was one of those teachers that didn't put up with anything. How many of us had teachers like that growing up? Okay, you know what I'm talking about. What we knew is this, is we did not mess with Mrs. Geddes. We just didn't. Now, I remember that day like it was yesterday. It was a beautiful spring day. I was walking to school. The sun was shining. The birds were singing. The flowers were blooming. I was on top of the world. I thought to myself, nothing can ruin this day. And then I got to school. It's amazing how school just kind of ruins your day. Uh, No sooner did I get, still go to school, kids, by the way. It's important to go to school, but it just... I'm just, I have to be careful what I say. It's like, don't say that. All right. Anyways, so I remember getting, no sooner we sit in our desks, and Mrs. Geddes made an announcement that shook me to the core. She said, in a week, we were going to have a spelling test. Now, let me clarify. This was not a spelling quiz. This was a spelling test. And for a kid with dyslexia, a spelling quiz was tough enough. A spelling test, well, it was a nightmare, all right? I remember she said there'll be 100 words and you have one week to study. At that moment, I remember the feeling of hopelessness and helplessness coming over me. I went home that day, got into the house, and my mom asked me like she always does, how was your day, sweetie? That's all I needed. Next was Niagara Falls. I lost it. In the midst of my blubbering, I explained to my mom, we're going to have this test and I'm going to fail. Now, like any good mom, she diverted my attention with milk and cookies. (laughs) They were homemade cookies, by the way, so that was even tougher. But it's funny thing, it always seemed to work for me, right? I'm crying, milk and cookies, it's like, oh, okay, this is great, right? Uh, My dad came home, he said, okay, Dave, what we're going to do is we're going to devise a plan. You have a week, we're going to devise a plan. And so that week, I got to admit to you, I studied really, really hard. The day finally came, and the reason I remember that morning is because I pretended I was sick, and my mom saw right through it. (laughs) So she said, I love you, go to school. And uh, the first thing in the morning was this test, and I'll never forget, Mrs. Geddes handed out this blank piece of paper. She said, get your pens, get your pencils out. Because she knew we'd make mistakes and she wanted us to erase stuff we made wrong, right? She said, okay, now I'm going to begin to recite these words. She said the first word and I struggled spelling it. I didn't even get through the first word and she was on to the second word. Everything from then on went downhill. 
I remember halfway through, I was just making words up. I was just spelling things, yeah, that looks good, that looks good, because I wanted to keep up with her, right? Well, we had our test in the next day. She uh, gave us our test back. She didn't really give us our test back. What she did is this, is she read the marks out loud. That is cruel, all right? So she goes through, good thing my name was L, so it was in the middle, but she's, I'll never forget this. She said, David Lane. Can anyone guess what I got out of 100? Who said zero? <laughs> that really hurts, <laughs> but you know me too well. Yes, I got zero. I got a big fat goose egg. I didn't get one word right, and there was a hundred of them. Mrs. Geddes felt bad for me. She said, David, tomorrow you're gonna write that test again. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> this time, it'll just be you and me. Well, that's even more terrifying, right? I'm alone with her. Anyways, so we did it again. Can anyone tell me what I got the second time? Don't say zero, because that would just hurt my feelings. 50? You guys are too generous. I got 18. 18. It was an improvement, but I didn't pass. <laughs> Anyways, you're like, Dave, why are you telling the story? Just to feel bad for you? Well, that's part of it. But the, <laughs> the reason is this. I think sometimes in life, we feel the same way spiritually. Think about this. We get overwhelmed because what happens is this, is God nudges us to get involved. Maybe it's an opportunity to serve or to meet a need, but there is this tension that prevents us from stepping out because we feel inadequate. We feel unprepared or we, feel, we don't feel confident enough or maybe we just simply feel afraid. And so what happens is this, is there's this wrestling match that begins inside of us as we wrestle with God. But this is what I want you to get this morning. Listen to me. There is a reason why God is calling us out. There is a reason why God invites us into situations that are beyond our skill set and our experience. You see, I believe that God wants to use someone or something outside of your comfort zone to stretch your faith. And so that tension you feel when you're about to step into it is actually a faith issue. It is God wanting to exhaust our faith muscle so that it'll build our faith up. Because listen to me, God wants us to have big faith. He does. Now, this morning we're gonna look at a very familiar story. In fact, if you've gone to church, you'll know this story right away, you'll recognize it. But in the middle of the story, what happens is this, is there's a really interesting conversation between Jesus and his disciples, which I think sums up the issue that all of us wrestle with when it comes to our faith. The issue of stepping out of our comfort zones and serving in a way that makes us feel uncomfortable. So, if you've got your Bibles, your phones, your iPads, whatever you have, I want you to turn here with me if you can. It'll be on the screen if you need it, but I want you to see this for yourself. It's Matthew chapter 14. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 14, we're going to start at verse 13. But I think it's really important that you guys see this so you know that I'm not making it up. Verse 13 says this. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Now, let me stop here for a moment and explain to you what's going on here. John the Baptist, who was Jesus' cousin, has just been killed. 
And the reason he's been killed is because Herod decided to take his brother's wife and marry her and make her his wife. And John the Baptist was pretty vocal. He said, what Herod is doing is unlawful. And I think John the Baptist maybe used it too many times as a sermon illustration. It got back to Herod. Herod got mad. And to make a long story short, what he basically did is this, is he had John the Baptist beheaded. Now you can imagine, Jesus hears about this. His cousin has been killed brutally by the king. He is mourning. And so what he wants to do is this. He wants to go away and just spend some time alone to mourn this loss of his cousin. But it doesn't work out for Jesus that way. In fact, listen to what happens at the end of verse 13. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the town. So get this, they hear that Jesus is going to the other side of the lake and so what they do is this, is they actually walk around the lake to meet him on the other side. Now the fact that Jesus just lost someone dear to him and he was mourning didn't even enter their mind. And the reason why, because they were so focused on their needs. Because you gotta remember this, all right? They wanted, it was all about them. Now listen to what happens here. Even though Jesus is mourning, listen to what he says. Uh, verse 14. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. Even though he's hurting, he has compassion on them, and he heals their sick. As the evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it is already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. So here's the scene. Jesus is healing all of these people in the crowd, and it's getting late, and the disciples come to him, and they're concerned about the hungry crowds. Now, it's not written in this passage, but I believe this, is they were also concerned about themselves. Because they were probably getting hungry as well. And so they said to Jesus, Jesus, you know, send the crowds away so they can eat. And so we can eat too. And what Jesus does next is very powerful. And the reason why is because it connects, I think, to where we're at. Listen to what it says in verse 16. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You Give them something to eat. What Jesus is saying is here is that, hey, guys, I know we're in a remote place. I know there's no food anywhere. But this crowd has a need. And I want you to meet that need. Now, this is the tension we face as Christians. And if we haven't faced it, let me tell you something, you will face it. It is when we sense that there is a need to be met. Maybe it's a need in this church, in one of the ministries. We have a lot of needs. Or maybe it's a need in your community. And what happens is this, is your heart goes out to that person or that group of people. And what God does is this, and you know it, because if you felt it, you know exactly what it is. God gently nudges you. You meet that need. Now how we respond? Well, it's not always good. Sometimes we're like, Lord, oh, not me, not me. But I'll tell you what, I'll pray. I'll pray someone comes. I will be the prayer warrior. And God's like, no. I want you to meet that need. And the reason why there is so much tension there is because when we see ourselves in that situation, we become aware of what we don't know and how unequipped we are. And so what we, try to try, what we try to convince ourselves is we don't have the time and we don't have the training to step in. But here's the thing about God, he goes, no, 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 no. 
I want you to get involved. And I want you to meet that need. Now, the disciples do exactly what we expect them to do. You know why? Because we would do this. They make excuses. Look at verse 17. It says this. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. Now they answered. Jesus is like, Jesus, uh, the disciples are like, Jesus, all we have are these five loaves and two fish. Look at the crowd. This crowd's huge. And they're like, Jesus, this is impossible. The passage tells us that there were 5,000 people that day, or 5,000 men, okay? Because they didn't count the women back then. So if we're being, let's say we're being, we won't be too unrealistic. Let's say that every man had a wife and two children. Get this. There are 20,000 people there. And Jesus goes, okay, I want you to feed them with these five loaves and these two fish. Now what I want you to notice here is this, is Jesus doesn't argue with them. He says, that's all we have, Jesus. He doesn't argue. He doesn't try to convince them. Listen to what he says. He says, bring them here to me. I can just picture the disciples holding the fish going, okay, this is all we have. And Jesus says, just bring it to me. Just bring it to me. Now, this is the interesting thing. I think God responds the same way to us. See, get this. When he nudges us to step in or to meet a need, God knows how inadequate we feel. He knows how scared we are. He knows how unprepared we feel. But he still says to us, step in and just bring me what you have. I know exactly what you're like. You think I'm shocked? That's why I'm calling you in. Because I know what you have, just bring it to me. Listen to what happens, we'll keep going here. Verse 19 says, as he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looked up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves, then he gave them to the disciples. Now, I want you to imagine that you're one of the disciples. Okay, you're standing here, Jesus is in front of you, okay? The crowd's behind you. He starts breaking up this bread, he gives you a basket. You look in the basket and you're like, that's probably enough to feed me, let alone the crowd behind me. And you're thinking to yourself, this is never going to work. Jesus, what do you want us to do? Because this is not going to feed the 5,000 plus. But what they did next was very powerful. They simply did what they knew how to do because that is all they could do. They knew how to serve. And so they're like, okay, let's do this. And in verse 19 it says, and the disciples gave them to the people. Get this, they did what they knew how to do trusting Jesus to do something unusual. Do you get that? They did what only they knew, or they did what they knew how to do, and they trusted Jesus to do what only he could do. In fact, they trusted God to do what only he can do. And this is huge, and I'll tell you why. Because when we feel that nudge from God to step in, out of our comfort zones to meet that need, despite the excuses, our response needs to be exactly the same. We do what we know how to do. And then we say is this, okay God, I'm gonna trust you to do what only you know how to do. And here's the thing, and so that tension, that fear, the feeling of being unprepared, what that is is this, it is our faith muscle 
being stretched. It is actually God growing our faith. And at that moment, listen to me, what is at stake is not whether or not that need will be met. Because if you don't do it, God will do it for someone else. What is at stake is this, is the size and health of your faith. Because what's happening is this, is God is calling you out because he realizes that the capacity of our faith impacts the level of intimacy we have with him. See, what God wants us to do is get to the point with him where we say, okay, God, I can't, but you can. And then what happens is this, is we always come out the other side so much better. In fact, we come out the other side and we're amazed. We're like, I cannot believe that happened. Listen to what happens in this story. Verse 20 says, they, they all ate and they were satisfied. The disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate that day was about 5,000 men besides women and children. We need to know here that Jesus is being very, very specific. He's not just doing random miracles because he can. He knows this, that in a few, uh, uh, a short time, he is actually gonna hand over this whole movement to these disciples when he leaves. And he's like, man, these guys have got to grow their faith. They gotta have strong faith. And so what he does is this, is he actually chooses to involve them. He could have easily done it himself, but he chooses to involve them because he knew that God wanted to stretch their faith. Can you imagine being in there that day and giving out the food? You start off with this little amount in your basket, but as you're giving it out, you're noticing something. The food is getting, there's more food in there. And at the end, you actually end up with more food than you had to start with. You see, for these disciples, their faith would have exploded that day as they saw God move. And all they knew was this, it had nothing to do with them. They could not take the credit for it because it was all God. Now here's the cool thing. In this story, God is not done with them yet. Because in Jesus' mind, he's like, okay, the feeding of the 5,000 was 101. Now what Jesus does here is he teaches them 201. Listen to what it says in verse 22. Immediately. Now that's huge because what it tells us is this, is these two stories are connected. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went on a mountainside, up to the mountainside to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because, uh, because the wind was against it. And so what happens is this, is Jesus sends the disciples out in this boat, he goes off and prays. The storm hits when the disciples are in the middle of the boat, in the middle of the lake, and because the wind and the wave are being against the boat, these disciples are rowing, but they're not getting anywhere. They're basically stuck in the middle of this lake. And look at verse 25, it says this, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Now here's the neat thing, is once Jesus spoke, Peter had an insight. He had one of those aha moments. Because what Peter begins to do is this, he begins to connect the feeding of the 5,000 
with this very moment. And he realized this. We can do anything that Jesus asks us to do as long as we do what we know how to do and somehow trust Jesus to do what only he can do. And so Peter goes, okay, you know what? I'm gonna put this theory into practice. He says this, Lord, if it's you, and I hope it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Now, what happened here is pretty significant because Peter's not just stepping out in blind faith, right? He wants Jesus to call him out because he gets it. He's learned the lesson. If Jesus called him out, then he would do what he could do and trust Jesus to do what only Jesus could do. And so what happens here is this, is Peter waits for Jesus' invitation. And it says this in verse 29. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. Get this. What Peter is doing here is exactly what they did with the feeding of the 5,000. Do what, you, what, do what you can do and trust Jesus to do what only he can do. I can imagine what's going through Peter's head. He's like, okay, I can get out of the boat and I can walk. And Jesus, Jesus just invited me. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna see if Jesus will do what only he can do on my behalf. And so he steps out. Now, here's the thing, that is crucial. And the reason why it's so important to us is because that is the essence of the Christian life. It is God inviting us out out of our comfort zone and we doing what only we can do and trusting God to do what only God can do. Did you get that? When God calls out, we're like, hey, this is what we can do. Now you gotta show up. And I'm trusting for you to show up and do what only you can do. Now, listen to how it ends here. Uh, Verse 30 says, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and he began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? You see, Peter takes his eyes off Jesus and he's reminded of what he can't do and so he begins to sink and it says this, that immediately Jesus reached out and he catches him. And do you know what Jesus says to Peter? You of little faith, why did you doubt? And see, what we need to realize is this, is this is all about faith. It's all about trusting God and not doubting him because Jesus so desperately wanted his disciples' faith to grow. But get this, I don't think he scolded Peter. I remember as a kid when I used to sit on the flannel graph. Remember the flannel graphs? The little, you know? They would say, oh, Peter, how could you doubt? I don't think he was scolding Peter. I think he was like, oh, Peter, you almost made it. Why did you take your eyes off me? You're like, you're walking on water, right? He says, but here's the thing, is you get it. You get it. If Jesus was gonna scold anybody, he'd be scolding the other 11 disciples who were in the boat because they all could have walked on water. But Peter was the one who got it. You see, the reason why Jesus called out Peter is because he wanted 
them all to have big faith. When Peter says, tell me to come to you, he says, come. He doesn't say, come, Peter. He says, hey, come, all of you. And so the reason why God calls us out in situations where we feel very uncomfortable is because he wants us to have big faith, and he wants us to do what we can do and trust him to do what only he can do. So, what's the application for us? Here's the thing I'd say to you, is that God is constantly inviting us out of our comfort zone because he wants us to grow our faith. And he will keep nudging us all the time. Do this, serve here, meet this need. But my question to all of us this morning is this, is are we listening to him? And are we willing to step out? For some of us here this morning, there's a wrestling match going on right now in your lives. And you're like, Dave, can you just be quiet? Because this is really getting to me. It's not me getting to you. It's God getting to you. Because here's the thing, is God has made you aware of a need that he wants you to meet. Maybe it's an opportunity to serve in our church, maybe it's an opportunity in your community, or maybe it's even around the world. But the thing is, is you're resisting because, well, we resist because we are scared. We feel inadequate, we feel unequipped. We may even feel like if we do this, we're gonna be in and over our heads. And this is where we learn from the example of Peter. When God invites us out, do what we know how to do and trust God to do what only he can do. And the tension that you're feeling is actually a good thing because what that is is our faith muscle being stretched. And the outcome is always our faith being strengthened. Now, let me close this morning by making this kind of practical and personal, by sharing a story from my life when God actually called me out. And it happened in 2008, so I was here, and uh, it was the last missions trip to Honduras. And for those who've been here for a while, you know that we committed to a church, the Agape Church in Honduras for, I think it was, was it five years? It was a period of time. And uh, we kept going back and helping them and kind of stuff. And so I had the opportunity to... Um, to actually go one time, and it was, it was amazing. Uh, it was in Tegucigalpa. When we got there, this church had this great ministry they did every month, and what they would do is this, is they would go down to the police station, and uh, every month they would just bless these police officers with food, and then they would share, they would give them hope, offer them hope. Great ministry. When we were down there, uh, it was time to do that. And I remember the pastor came to me and said, oh, oh, pastor, pastor, we want you to speak this time. I'm like, what? They're like, yeah. He was really excited about this. And uh, he, I want you to do it. And I remember when he said to me, I got to be honest with you, I was way out of my comfort zone. I was like, I can't do this because I don't know the culture. I can't even speak the language. Guys, I had every excuse in the book why I shouldn't do it, but I knew deep down when God was calling me to do it. I was like, oh, man, because I felt the gentle nudge. So I knew what I could do. I could share the gospel in a very simple way. I could. And I would have to trust God to do what only God could do. If I'm being honest with you, the police station was just down the street from the church. That was the longest walk I ever took. And my heart was just racing. Now, what I didn't know was this, was that there was political unrest in Tegucigalpa. 
Therefore, there was a military presence in the city. So instead of speaking just to 20 police officers, the pastor wanted me to share it with the 20 police officers and 50 soldiers as well. Now, there wasn't enough room in the police station to hold, there wasn't a room big enough to hold them, so what they did is this, is they, they stood them down the hall, three deep, okay? I remember standing there, I stood there with the translator beside me, hoping he translated me right, because this could be dangerous, right? I looked at these police officers, but what really got my attention was the military officers, because they're staying at attention, straight-faced, didn't know a lick of English, I'm trusting this guy to interpret right. They had their semi-automatic rifles strapped on their chest. I'm sitting there and going, okay, God, this is crazy. I look over at the pastor. I remember his little short guy. He's like, go, go, go. (laughs) He was a lot more excited than I was. And all I remember was this. This is the cool thing, is I remember opening up my mouth, and then God showed up. You know, I'll never forget that moment because it wasn't me, it was all God. And that day, my faith grew. Why? Because my faith muscle was being stretched. This was very uncomfortable for me. I wanted to run with everything I had, but God's like, no, I need you to step in. You do what you can do, and you've got to trust me that I will do what only I can do. Now, what hits me is this. If I had never stepped out, I would have missed out on so much. And what breaks my heart is this, I think a lot of us, and that, that's one good story that I have, I missed on a lot of things. Looking across this congregation, what, what scares me is this, is how many times have we missed out? God says, listen, I want you to, there's a need in our kids ministry or in our youth ministry or in, in our community, and we're like, oh, I'm, I'm gonna step away. Guess what, that need still gets met. Because God's like, okay and blesses someone else. And my fear is this, I think a lot of times, a lot of us have missed out because we're not willing to step out because we feel inadequate and we feel unprepared. So what? That's where faith is. If you were totally polished and you had it all down, you wouldn't be trusting on God, you'd be trusting in your abilities and strengths. But God likes us at that point where we feel awkward because it's like, okay, if this is gonna work, it's gotta be you, it's not me. And then when it does work, we don't walk away and go, oh, aren't we good? Because I remember walking away that day going, whoa, God, you are pretty amazing. But like I said, if I didn't step out, I would have missed it. And looking back on it now, that is something I did not ever want to miss. And so, here's the thing. If we want our faith to be big, if we want our faith to grow, what happens is this, is when God nudges or calls us out, We need to step out, despite the tension, despite the fear, and the inadequacy we may feel. We need to respond. We do what we can do, and we trust God to do what only God can do. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the fact that you want to have a relationship with us and you want us to have big faith. And Lord, there are many times where you nudge us, you call us out, and there's for some reason we just resist. Lord, we feel inadequate, we feel unprepared, we feel scared. But Lord, I pray the next time that you call us out and we feel that tension, that we would recognize that is our faith muscle being stretched, and that's a good thing. All you're calling us to do 
is to do what we know how to do and trust you to do what only you can do. And so I pray that you give us the courage this week to step into those situations and to be amazed at what you can do in and through us as you use us to meet, them, to meet the needs all around us in our church, in our community, and even around the world. We thank you and we love you. In your name we pray, amen.